0: Hello, hello! Welcome to another episode of Be Open and Authentic with Rohit. Today we have Dr. Lavanda Brown with us. So uh, just to just to give a glimpse of you know La- Dr. Lavanda's career, right? So she has done PhD, postdoc, MBA, <laughs> worked as a professor, and now she is a founder for uh, for the company called iGesh. So. I I I never imagined that this is even possible in 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 my lifetime because and it's not just about getting the degrees it's about you know putting the you know work to get those degrees and it's it's a lot of hard work so you know uh, that's what you know I want to you know uh, talk more and understand you know uh, the motivation and understand understand the journey a bit uh, deeper so let's let's get started uh firstly you know thank you lavanda for um you know, taking your time and and uh, you know, willing, being willing to talk uh, on the on the podcast with me. Uh, thanks for your valuable time and and effort uh, on this. So, yeah, can can you give? Uh, can we get started with an introduction?
1: Yes, definitely. And it is all my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, and I'm happy to share my journey. You know, anybody that I can help by just sharing my experiences, I you know, I will do it over and over. Okay. Again. Um, so just a little uh, background on me, um, you've done quite the job already, Rohif. Um, but I am Dr. LaVonda Brown, founder and CEO of iGauge. iGauge um, is drug screening technology where we look at your eyes and can determine how impaired you are. Um, prior to ending up here at this startup, I have had quite the journey, um, but I mean, do you want me to give those details right sure, now? Sure, yes, please. please, yes, or... please. Oh, okay. yes, please. Okay. Um, so um, let's backtrack. Maybe I don't want to date myself too much, but maybe like uh, 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was, um, I went to undergrad at Norfolk State University um, in Norfolk, Virginia, and I had a full academic scholarship um, and uh, I studied electrical engineering or electronics engineering. And so that's kind of, um, I knew that I loved the math and applied sciences like physics and things like that. And so that's how I ended up in this space, ended up mm-hmm. going to grad school, still focused on electrical engineering, um, with a focus in robotics. And so my PhD was a robotic tutor that engaged children in math. And one of mm-hmm. the metrics that we used was eye tracking. And so that's where my eye tracking began. Um, I was doing eye tracking to see where students were looking at on a math test, on a tablet, how, you know, how long they fixated on different, on different um, points in the exam, whether it was the actual answer or the question, or if it was in space. And Mm -hmm. then we were able to determine um, if they were engaged. Uh, We correlated that with if they got the questions right or wrong. Um, Interesting. After my PhD, I did a postdoc at an Alzheimer's clinic at Emory University uh, where we leveraged, I leveraged the eye tracking, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. the application was for detection of any malcognitive impairments that uh, a patient may have or potentially Alzheimer's, right? And so Mm -hmm. it was a long-term study. Uh, We looked at how patients scan different images, art images, what they noticed, and based off of that, we could use machine learning to determine if they had any cognitive impairments. Yeah. Um, following my postdoc, I uh, went to LSU. I was an assistant professor in electrical engineering, and I continued the eye tracking work uh, that I was doing in the Alzheimer's clinic from Emory. So there was a partnership there. And after about a year at LSU, I, I knew that I wanted to do research full time and so okay. I walked away from the teaching. Uh, did research back at Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech uh, Research Institute for two years. Also picked up my MBA in the process, and that's when I took the big leap to become an entrepreneur and I started Package.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay, so so when did you you know make the call that hey you know I I know all of this, uh, and it's time to start my own company? Is it during the MBA or, or like how did it, uh, how did you start with it?
1: Um, great question. When I was getting my MBA, not my MBA, excuse me, my PhD at electrical, in electrical engineering at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. I, during that process, I was there for five years. Um, and during that process, I was, I had an entrepreneurial bug, like I knew, or itched. I knew I wanted to start a company and I was like, is it going to be robotics? Is it going to be, you know, an education? Like, what is it going to be? But after being in grad school for four years, I was like, well, I'm not trying to prolong this. Um, I don't want to get an MBA now. Let me just get this PhD and, and be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't explore any more than that just because the PhD had taken a toll. On yeah,
0: <laughs> I get it.
1: And so I was like, okay, you know, it was there. I still explored becoming, um, an assistant professor because the best time to do academia is right after grad school where your publications are in postdoc, Mm -hmm. when your publications are fresh. And so Mm -hmm. worst case scenario, if I decided I didn't like it, which I didn't, um, I could always leave, but I would never have the opportunity to do it again because, you know, of the publications, right? Yeah. Um, so when i came back to georgia tech and i saw that they would they essentially paid for my mba because i was an employee at georgia tech nice. i focused on entrepreneurship throughout the program i took all the classes related to starting a business you know the entity types the marketing uh the ip strategy um and then i took a course and it, it was geared towards like doing customer discovery and talking to potential customers to see what they're yep. you know if they would actually be interested in whatever you're developing. So throughout this process, that is when I decided, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to start a business. I think I'm going to do it. And initially I thought I was going to do eye tracking for education because that's where it started, right? During my PhD. Um, But by the time I was looking at doing some market research, I had learned very quickly that it it was a pretty saturated market online, studies had increased. And so people already were looking at eyes to see how engaged people were in different studies and and reading Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And then I found that substance abuse was a market that was more promising and much work hadn't been done. And so Mm -hmm. that's when I decided to take the leap. There there is one more personal experience that ties into that, but I'm not sure if if we should talk about that now or later.
0: I'm sure. I mean, you, you can, you can share it.
1: Okay. So, um, so yeah, so the NBA started the itch, but while I was at Emory, um, and so a few years before I actually started my company, I gauge I actually lived with a loved one who had a drinking problem. And so mm-hmm. I was at this Alzheimer's clinic, building the software and the hardware, um, cause it didn't exist. The cameras didn't exist just yet. Mm to do the eye analysis work. I was looking at pupils. I was looking at scleras, the white part of the eye. You know, it's a cause, rapid eye mu- movement, things like that. And during the day, and then I would come home and it was an occupational hazard just to look at people's eyes. I mean, yeah. until today, I still look at people's eyes. And sure. so I would come home and I would notice that my partner's eyes would be red and glossed over, slow to respond. Yeah. At the time, I was not thinking about eye gauge. gauge was the furthest thing away from me. Obviously, I was more yeah. concerned about um, his well-being and, you know, what that meant. Um, but fast forward to the NBA when I was doing that market research and I thought I was going to do education and I stumbled across substance abuse. Um, yeah. That's when it clicked that not only did I have the technical skill set with the eye tracking, but I also had, you know, personal experience, actually living with people who are battling, you know, substance abuse. And I just knew that this is where I needed to be.
0: Yeah, right. So so this is about, you know, connecting all the dots Mm -hmm. at the right time. Because Mm -hmm. even if you thought about it, you know, during PhD, you might have, you know, might not have worked because, you know, PhD itself is a lot more, you know, uh, stressful. And then But you also, you know, might not have had the, you know, enough background about, you know, entrepreneurship and and all the stuff, you know, to start a company. But I like the way that, you know, you kept going with eye tracking in applying it to multiple domains and even, uh, you know, starting a company off of it, right? That is is pretty good because... uh, I'm not sure whether uh, who else will have a better, you know, <laughs> vision, clarity, or or uh, who can build a promising technology around, uh, you know, eye tracking than you, because that's what you know you pretty much worked on it throughout uh, throughout your career for the for the most part, and 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 you have the, you just have the right background. Uh, I, I like the way you connected all these dots, and and uh, you know these are coming well together now. So, you know, I want to touch this a little bit because. Uh, I had, a you know, uh, assumption that if you are going to PhD, you will just stay in the academia route mm-hmm. and then you will never able to be, you know, get back into startup, uh, you know, other, other, you know, tech world or, you know, things like that. So that is another reason. That's one of the reasons I did not opt for PhD, even though I had a, you know, full, full scholarship uh, promised for me. Like, okay, that might be too much of, you know, too much hassle. And I, but I want to do, you know, you know, startups in the long run, which is another reason I want to, you know, I worked, you know, I chose another path, which is, you know, career in tech compared to PhD. But now you proved me that, hey, if you want to do it, if you want to start a company anytime, I mean, you should, you should just do it. You can do it because, you know, if you're an academia, right, you know, based on my, you know, MS research work and all, you know, I thought that you know we, we academia is far a little away from you know uh, the industry and the industry uh, advancements you know that might not be true in all the cases but you know that is so true in, in 90% of the cases in in my opinion uh, do you, what do you think on it
1: um, that was jam packs rohit no um So I have a few thoughts,
0: um,
1: about like industry versus academia and the career path. So, uh, just stay with me for a second. So I, the reason I decided to do a PhD, um, initially was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I left undergrad and, you know, while I was in undergrad, I always knew or, you know, was told that I should really think about grad school, like, you know, at yeah. least the master's. And so, you know, the seed was planted then. And then closer and closer to graduation, you know, it was no clear, it was no other option that, you know, made me want to, you know, steer away from, you know, not going going to grad school. Um, I didn't see a job opportunity that interests me. And, you know, going to grad school, it seemed like there's no way you can go wrong from there. You know, just getting mm-hmm. more education and, sure. you know, and still trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. So that's yeah. the honest, you know, truth there. Yeah. Um, Another motivator for getting, for continuing education and getting my master's, my um, MS and my PhD in electrical engineering is because I am the, I'm a first generation graduate. In my family uh, mm-hmm. even my older sister she she actually didn't go back to school until she saw me finish and so mm-hmm. um and, and so one of the big motivators and just keep getting and doing as much i can possibly as much as i can possibly do is for future generations in my family you know and showing like my nieces that okay they're like okay aunt lavanda did this on Lavanda? you know got a PhD on Lavanda. started a company on yeah. Lavanda. joined a sorority you know I'm just checking off all the boxes so that you know my nieces and my my cousins th- that they know in and, and my future kids they yeah. know that they can all things are possible because they've seen somebody who looked like them and in, in in their family do it and so that that's been a big motivator even when I didn't know like why I was doing it that yeah. was that was always there um so, um, as far as the industry, academia, so, okay, yes. Yeah, so, the PhD, yes, they say a lot of people were, were like, if you get your PhD, the only thing you can do is academia. Like, why go to school all those years and, you yep. know, be pigeonholed into this one career? You, you may not even like it. Yep. Um, and so, and when you get your PhD, it is a very, very narrow focus. Like, I am an exactly. expert on developing yep. an engagement model to teach children, you know, math. Yep. <laughs> and yep. so it's like a very particular uh, topic. Um, and yep. this, but, you know, the skills that you gain outside of that, just like problem solving, um, is applicable sure. to a lot of different um, um, yep. areas, domains. Um, so academia and industry. So let I became a professor eventually, right? Um, There, academia and industry, I would say are different, but academia and startup, I see a lot of similarities. And I will say that I don't have experience in industry. So I I truly can't speak to, you know, what it looks like on that other side, besides a few internships. Right. Um, But when I was an assistant professor at LSU, I had my own research group. I had um, funding. I could choose whatever I wanted to do my research on, and I, I stayed in the same realm as like my PhD. Um, I I was the boss. I was in charge. I could determine where the money went. I also had to apply for grants, though. If I wanted to do something with robotics, I've had to find yep. a grant for it. If I wanted to do something with eye tracking, I had to, you know, write the proposal to get the money. And yep. so that's that's pretty much the world in academia. You can do whatever you want as long as you write the grants and get the funding. Yep. The other component to academia is teaching. Um, yep. and so uh teaching the teaching is the reason why I decided to leave, um just long story short. Sure. And you know, everybody has a gift and the teaching just really was it drains me and yep. I mean, I know that it's a heavy lift for everybody who comes into academia, like those first few years, you're building out curriculums and grading papers and it takes up all of your time and you're still graded on like your promotion and tenure, you're graded on the research, right? Yeah. And so, and I love the research and I barely had time to do the research because I was working on the teaching component. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And so that was one of the, that was the major reason that I decided to go to Georgia Tech Research Institute and do purely research. But the fact, the research side of academia, having my own lab and bringing in my own students and doing, doing whatever research topic I wanted to do is very similar to a startup company yeah, where yeah. you have, you can make all the rules. You still, I still have to find the funding. I'm still yeah. applying for grants. <laughs> That didn't yep. leave, you know, um, and I can, I, you know, I, I'm in charge. I mean, there are some other yep. subtle differences, right? Like, sure, yeah. um, I have to, have to, well, I guess you, I was going to say I have to pay employees, but in the research lab, you have to pay their tuition, right? Yep. Um, if it's not paid for, um, but in a startup company, you can bring in revenue. I'm not quite sure, sure if you can do that in academia. Um, yeah, in a way the,
0: grants, right? Grants are equal to revenue here, in a way. Yeah. Uh, but but with
1: startups we need grants too and it's not considered revenue. Sure, like yeah, yeah. We, we're we're putting out a product that sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. can give us money. But one more thing um that I thought of and I hope I didn't lose it, is I might have lost the Raviv. Yeah. Um it was good too, it was the relation to the startup in the lab. Oh, a lot of assistant or a lot of professors in general, they start companies while they're mm. in those positions. And yes. so, I mean, they figure out, I mean, it's possible, but I've seen a lot of professors have startup companies on the side and they still stay, you know, they're still professors um, and it does. It, there's not a conflict of interest. I'm not completely sure how to do it, but that exists as yeah. well.
0: Good. Yeah. Okay. I think I've heard it too, but, um... Yeah. Not sure. Uh, you know how, how that works in reality or, you know, what is the success rate of it, but yeah. Uh, thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing, you know, uh, all, all these thoughts. I think I just realized, you know, I had like a lot of questions, you know, in one go. Okay. Let me break down some of your responses. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you want to, you know, you are the first generation, you know, uh, black student, uh, in, in your family, um, uh, sorry, black woman, student, uh, in, in the family, uh, and then, you want to prove that hey, these are all you know can be done. Mm-hmm. Is is I uh, you know I can see why that has been the biggest motivation factor, because you know that that you know that kind of inspires many people. And I, I, I you know I, I started wondering how many you know black women have done this path, and became founders, right? It, I think it will be very very few, and and you'll be one of the top. One percent, uh, uh, you know, uh, black women in, in in the country to do it. I guess uh, if if we if we can get, gather all the data, but because I mean that, that's just a lot of work, and and uh, um, I'm glad you were able to uh, breeze through it. I know you had, you, I'm sure you had fluctuations and uh, you know ups and downs, mm-hmm. but again, um, I'm sure like many others, you know, around you are, are you know definitely inspired and. Uh, they know that they can do the things, whatever they want to do, because if you have done all these (laughs) in like five, 10, 15 years, so, you know, anything, anything is possible, you know, right. Because they cannot say that, Hey, you know, no one now has, um, luxury of, you know, giving a reason that, Hey, you know, I can't do this because of so, and so because you already proven that, you know, everything can be done in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is, that is a journey uh, of its own. Um, and, and, um, it's really it's really uh, kind of motivating for me to you know uh, uh uh learn from it right and and see that hey you know i can't complain anymore because uh, because people around me are are you know doing a lot more bigger you know hard and things you know which involves a lot of hard working so i cannot just say that hey you know podcast i cannot just complain that podcasting is a lot of hard work because that's one that's just one you know uh Minuscule of what what uh, therefore needed for all the you know all the degrees right so mm-hmm. that's good and and uh, you know other parties the reason that I said you know academia academia you know may not be the right for me you know is because if not everyone you know um, can carry the research work they have done in PhD or masters into the future, you know, because as you said, you know, the opportunities are very, because we become experts in very narrow field mm-hmm. and, you know, companies might not even exist in those fields and nobody is willing to give us a job or, you know, offer, or if you mm-hmm. want to get into the industry, I think the scope is too narrow. Mm-hmm. And, and which means that we have to diverge towards other, um, industries or other fields. Sure. We have problem solving skills and, you know, we are those, you know, one of the few hardworking professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sure, you know, companies like us, but at the same time, the fact that you are not able to carry the research work into the real industry mm-hmm. and and not able to, you know, go with it in the long run is that thought kept me, you know, away from PhD because, but in your case, I'm glad, you know, I like the way how you carried your PhD work into postdoc and, you know, you kept going with it for the research and, and eventually a company. So Mm-hmm. I, I, I never knew this. you know, that's, that's possible, but at the same time, um, uh, it's, it's it's great that you are able to, you know, stick to your work and, you know, still, still keep going with it. Right. So, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, uh,
1: mm-hmm. I had another thought while you were saying that. Um, and so I mentioned that, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with industry, um, yeah. but and to the point where you're saying that um, I, I basically have been able to carry over some of the work that I've done. Um, I think uh, one of the the big things um, that also is present into why I am where I am today is like, I tried a lot of different things. And so exposure was really key. Yep. And, and so, yes, we see the things that worked out and what I'm doing today. But in order to get here, I did a lot of different things and it it helped me learn that, okay, I don't want to do this. Um, And so I mentioned I did an internship at a great company. I'm just not going to say names. It really is a great company. Um, And when I was there one summer, you know, it was was a summer, right? And the, um, I don't know, the CEO or somebody came over the intercom and they were like, (laughs) and they were like, um, whatever quarter it was Q Q3. Um, I guess the numbers weren't adding up. And so he was like, they had to pause all extracurricular like studies and projects and, Mm. you know, and focus on, you know, increasing the revenue, Revenue, making their bottom line look better. And so like all extracurricular projects were, you know, paused i I Mm. want to say cancel but paused and i'm just like when i heard that i was like huh so you can just sit here and tell me not to work on this stuff and i just wanted more autonomy on the things that i wanted to work on and not only be constrained based off of you know bottom line and so and so that's played a role a, a huge role in why where i am today i mean technically you know when my startup grows and we become this big corporation, um, mm-hmm. it, for the people who are, for the employees, I mean, they, they may hear something like that, right? Because money yeah. is important, but where I am, I still kind of make some of the bigger calls. And so I, it affects me a little less than, um, and, you know, and so I just learned that about myself where I wanted to, yeah. I really wanted to have the, the autonomy to do what I thought was best versus having to do what somebody else thought was best.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That that makes sense, right? Um, you know, every different person has different you know uh, triggers on uh, triggering points. Uh, you know that that has been um, one of the triggering points for you because you know for you research is uh, you know equally important. In, uh, you know, it's also the fact that someone else said that hey don't work on it is definitely not great because that's what you are there for, right? You know, right. you, you, you joined the company for a purpose that, Hey, I want to work on this. And this is the reason I joined the company. And now, we, now you, you can just, you cannot just make a call, you know, a simple call and said, Hey, you're not working on it anymore. You know, that's, that's not great, but mm-hmm. that's that's a sad uh, reality of working in a you know, corporate or, or any, any, um, company, right. It, mm-hmm it's it's possible that any day that you know people are you know hey just let go within within a single call you know we have seen you know all these zoom call firings so you know i i am with you on it and i would rather you know have my own company and and uh, be able to provide better direction uh, for myself and for the company than you know sitting sitting as an employee and uh, you know having to take those calls it's not that you know the the leaders in the company are not thinking through all of this, I you know they're doing what's best for the company, yeah. but the fact that, you know, we are being impacted due to it, um, uh, is not great either because, you know, if we ha- if I have the chance, I would definitely be on the other side, you know, and, you know, think through it, you know, another time and, and, you know, uh, see if I can see, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe, I'll make the same decision again, but you know, the fact that I'm on the other side and, and, uh, see the other side is, is a different thing for me.
1: Yeah. And, okay. um, I'm sorry. One more thought. Um, the and, and I just want to give a little more context to that. I think that if I am in a place or are in, a, in a place where I am heard and like my thoughts are considered, or you know, it holds some kind of weight, um, that also would be a place that I would be interested in. And um, I, yeah. as a black woman. Um, you know, I've, I've been in workplaces where I was the only, only, the only black person and the only woman and, you know, you know, everything that you hear, um, you know, and not being heard in meetings and, you know, um, having great ideas and, you know, nobody responds and then a few days later, the next week, you know, Johnny has the same idea and (laughs) best idea ever and know, so it's just you know it's just a lot very stressful to be in those situations and so mm-hmm. that also plays into like wow i, I want to make sure like where i am i can have impact because i'm heard um and so i don't necessarily have to be at the top you know sure. but I, I just really want to be um, in an impactful place
0: yeah no I, I get it uh so you know i think there is still a lot of work to be in that regard i think people still are you know not being heard you know uh, you know overlooked and and someone else with the same idea is is uh, is uh, mm-hmm. you know gets all the credit right um so i think there is still a lot of work in progress you know that you know at least uh, people are you know openly talking about it you know things seems to be changing but again yeah. so in in other aspects we're also going backwards in certain directions uh, mm-hmm. you know, which way, which I was focusing in, in a couple of other, other episodes, but here I also want, I, I want to understand this in the academia standpoint, right? You know, in industry, you know, these things do happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, how is it in academia? Do you, you know, uh, how was your, uh, experience as a black woman uh, throughout, you know, uh, the academic career?
1: Um, she was amazing. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that they were, since I've already said their name, like, I yep. had an amazing experience at LSU. Like, I was the second black woman hire in their ECE program, mm. and I want to say we were the only two black people. I don't believe there were any black men in the program or in that um, department school at the time. Um... But I definitely had allies, you know, uh, with um, faculty members. And I mean, I still am in touch with them until today. And so that was not the reason, you know, it it truly was, you know, just I wasn't passionate about the teaching and I I was truly passionate about the research. And so that was a great experience, just LSU in general. Now, if we just look at the landscape of academia, and, yep. you know being black I mean it, it being black transcends all industries all domains and the things that we have to fight for and and, and so academia does have its issues um yeah. and they but they have a great community for um, black or African-American faculty members um but at LSU like I was shielded a bit because they were great
0: gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I'm glad that you had such a wonderful experience at LSU. Um, but again, uh, in general, what you're saying is, I mean, there are issues may not be as, uh, you know, uh, as high as uh, the industry, but still, you know, the chances are, you no know, that the issues still exist in academia is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And and how does it play, you know, during uh, your PhD or, uh, you know, postdoc or, or uh, during, you know, non-LSU career, right? Yeah. So did that impact you, you know, uh, positively or negatively, right? So how was, yeah. how did that play a role during your, uh, when you, while you were in school?
1: Yeah. So I, I just remembered something that I used to do and it was because I, I am a woman and, mm-hmm. and, and potentially black now that I'm thinking about it, but, mm-hmm. um, on publications and I've seen a lot of females do this in order mm-hmm. to hide the fact that we're a woman, we would just put like first initial last name, right? Um, and so that, and so on all our publications, all my publications, I um, at least for most of them, most of them, I put L Brown, L Brown, like that mm. is the name that you you see. Um, and yep. then another, and so that was so that they would know that I wouldn't know that I was a woman. Um, another trick, and I didn't have this issue because I wasn't married, but women who have hyphenated last names. That's also a giveaway um, Our, you know, most most hyphenated last names are from women getting married, Yep. Um, in my opinion. So um, and so if you see a hyphenated last name, like if I was to have a hyphenated last name, I would only choose one of those last names, um, even if I got married afterwards. I would have just kept L. Brown because I want people to be able to find all of my work, um, regardless of if my last name changed. But the other. Yeah. Um, thing is um my first name um I have a capital V in my name and so yeah. uh it, and and it, it, and so it could seem like it's a black name you know that whole
0: mm.
1: you know racism just from looking at resumes like that whole study exists um and my first name being LaVonda is all is, is an indicator that I'm a woman, but it's also an indicator that I potentially am a black woman, right? Yep. And so, um there's another reason why I all my publications and all my work is L. Brown because it, it can be seen differently with, you know, all the men wow. in this space. So um Oh wow. Right. And so I, I'm thinking like I did that intentionally <laughs> so that they wouldn't know that I was a woman. and they would give my work the same weight that they yeah.
0: give anybody else's. Wow. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I you know I had a few publications, but I didn't know this is this is the case. Um, and yeah. this is very unfortunate, right? You know, OK, in workplace and all, you know, fair. I mean, it's OK, uh, you can you can be, you know, uh, I don't you know, I don't understand it, but OK, I can see why it happens in workplace, but, you know, mm-hmm the fact that it can happen during the review of research papers is Mm -hmm. like really, you know, astonishing for me because, I mean, how does it matter? Because uh, the stats are same and the data is same. And how will that matter if it's a change in gender or race? Because it's not going to change the fact that the uh, the research paper is of the same quality, right? Uh, It cannot change based on whatever the uh, factors are. Hmm. That yeah, is and super.
1: and so even like with reviewing papers, they do have like blind reviews where they don't see the names. Yeah. Um, and so it really wasn't. Most of the reviews are blind, and so hyphenating mm-hmm. or you know just saying L Brown wasn't because of the reviews. It was still just my work being accepted in the space. Sure. Even after. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Closed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's you um, after the reviews, even if I had to quote your paper, you know I might, you know, uh, see the, you know, I might judge the paper based on the names authors yes. or authors. Like okay. Yes. <laughs> ah, wow. Hello, okay. That <laughs> is. Uh, okay. You know, I hope, you know, uh, yeah, I've been talking about in, in other podcasts as well, but I really hope, uh, we have uh, some better lens to look at, look at the world. Uh, I hope we be a little more open and, uh, uh, you know, go, go to every day, you know, live every day with little broader and open mindedness, I guess, uh, I think mm-hmm. that will solve most of the problems in the world because yeah. I mean, there, there are so many stressful situations happening around the world, right? You know, beat the war, inflation, or mm-hmm. COVID. Okay. There are so many other things to fight. Please just don't, you know, make it much worse for me, uh, you know, with all these biases and all the stuff. So right. yeah, yeah, I hope, I hope things, you know, get better, but yeah, again, okay. um, hmm?
1: Um, right. I, I'm I'm just thinking my mind, you have my mind engaged, Rohit. So that was then, like when yep. I was in grad school and I was doing the L. Browns and you know, I that was then. Today, yep. where I am today, anytime I can spell my name in full and capitalize my V, I, yeah. I do it every single time. And so I, th- I feel like I used to, you know, I mean, I was I was naive and I just wanted to be accept. I wanted my work to be accepted. And, you know, and so I did those things. But now that I have the understanding that I have today, I, it, it, and it, there was even a point where I considered lower casing my V. I, I don't know, like mm. um, how much you <laughs> understand, but like, you yeah. know, sometimes ethnic names can have, you know, capital letters and spaces and they're spelled differently. Yeah. I think yep. my name is is pronounced, you know, phonetically how it looks, and so I, um, I haven't had any issues there. But um, I have also know somebody, um, and they have a capital letter in their name, and they refuse. They just basically cut half of their name off, and they just like in my instance, my name is Lavonda, and so this person they just go by Vonda. They refuse to have that first half of their name because of the way that other people could possibly look at it as wow. uh, right right and so where I am today and how confident I am in the work that I can I have done can do yep. anytime I can spell my my full name out brohe sure I, yeah, I'm I, sure you should be actually you so know you I'm making a name for all the lavandas yeah. out here in the world because people need to yeah. know like we can have these intricate names and yeah. still, you know, be
0: accomplished. Just, just, exactly. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, you know, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you can, you know, um, you're saying it proudly and openly. Uh, and I think. You know, despite accomplishments or, you know, despite anything that, you know, we have done, um, I really hope, you know, many people just stick to, you know, uh, whatever they're supposed to do, you know, instead of cutting the names and all. So Mm -hmm. I understand, you know, everyone has to, you know, not everyone, but I understand that people has to go through, you know, some sort of pain uh, to carry forward. But Mm -hmm. I hope, you know, they look at you and people like you to say that, hey, at some point you know we can proudly be whatever we want to be so i am you know they can they can just fight for it instead of you know saying that hey i'm going to you know just pretend it until then things like that so i hope more people look at you and you know your 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 you know background your know accomplishment and say that hey okay you know we don't have to you know we have to stop doing this or you know we don't have to do all these sort of no hiding or you know, pretending anymore, you know, we can just, uh, you know, be ourselves and, and be more open you know, and, and the vocal, I guess. Yes. Be authentic. Show exactly. Right. Be open and authentic. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that that's, uh, that's cool. Thanks. Uh, you know, thank you, Lorna, for sharing all of, all these um, such a, such a, you know, great uh, discussion. So, and and you know I want to take a step back a little bit and and want to you know direct us towards the startup, which is uh which is another you know exciting exciting topic uh, for me. So what 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 has been the you know since you transitioned from academia? You know you also mentioned that it's not as different as you know doing your own research and uh, you know writing grants and all. Mm-hmm. But what what were you know? what are the few, you know, surprising things, um, for you? Or, you know, what are the things that shocked you in the, in the startup world so far?
1: You said, what are things that
0: w- you charged me in uh, you know, a sh- You or like, you well, know, shock, wh- what is it like, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, it was <laughs> surprisingly, um, this is where, it, when I learned that, there is discrimination across all industries, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be better over here. It is, it is not. Nope. Sorry. I mean, it was a shock for like a split second, and then it was just like, sure, yeah. come on, Lavanda, you knew that. It, yeah, it's no. the same thing here. It, it, I mean, yep. it's different in different. I mean, every industry or you know domain has its own reasons why it is the way that it is in the startup space in particular um you know raising raising money um is very difficult for black and brown founders and it's because you want to have a good fit with your this potential investor and a lot of the investors are white men and so it's very hard to find something connect with a white for me to find something to connect and relate to a white man about more or less yep. for either one of us to be comfortable moving forward with, sure. you know, because when an investor investing in a business is like a marriage it's up, it's hard yeah. to get out of. You can't just say, okay, I'm filing a divorce. No, you're stuck with this person. And so the, so in, in that space, there are not a lot, there's not a lot of black, black investors. And then also women investors. So separately, yep. black women and then black women investors. It's, it's, and few between, right? There are yeah. some funds that have come up, you know, especially in recent years that focused on minority groups to raise yep. money. And so, you know, they, there is a support group that has been forming in this space in all spaces like academia and yep. right there. We have our groups um, but it's needed just because like our business, oftentimes our yep. business um, can't be successful if we don't have the the capital um, that yep. we need um, to bring it to the next level or to scale it, right? Yep. And sometimes that, that is the determining factor between um, you know. a successful business and, and, and one that doesn't make it, or even a unicorn, yep. right? And one exactly. that doesn't make it if we don't have that funding. The other yep. issue um, from... a uh, um, a black black female perspective is, um, a lot of of our let's say white counterparts um, are, are white men. Um, they they come from families that have money, or they have trust. I mean they, I mean, they yep. have yeah they have well for whatever reason. Yep. That's another podcast, Rogie. Yep, <laughs> I know. Um, and. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they have this money that they can inject our uncle can can give yep. the money or grandma or parents they can they can inject their family and friends around you know set them up you yep. know to scale the business all the way to series a yeah, yeah, You know yeah. whereas in our case, we don't have family members oftentimes that can yeah. that can't you know they're not incredited accredited investors, you know because they only they don't make but so much but they don't yep. have, a, you know, we're not wealthy, right? Yep. And so that's a societal issue. Um, another podcast, yeah, right. but but we <laughs> and so that's another reason why we're and so to tie it back into the the investors. Um, a, one of the metrics that investors look at to see like if they want to invest in our company is they look at how well we did in our family and friends round. And so this mm, is like yeah. essentially what it sounds like, our family and friends investing in the business. Um, and so if you have a successful round, let's say you successfully closed 100,000 or 250,000, um, then that's that's great, right? But yep. oftentimes, you know, as a black woman, I'm gonna speak in my case, I, I can't raise 100,000, 250,000 from my friends and family. Yep. I, I can't. It's not possible. And it's not because they don't believe in it and they don't support it because that's what investors yep. are thinking. It's because they don't have it. Yep. And so you know they can offer support in other ways, just not monetary.
0: Um, exactly. Right. Yep.
1: So it's just, it's, it's we have different issues over here in this space, but it's still because there's a lack of diversity um, yeah. and we're not, we, we don't have a seat at the table at, at all of the different phases of
0: Yeah, right. You know, which is is also very unfortunate, right? Because you definitely need the money to scale or, you know, just to survive. Because, you know, particularly when you look at some of the research-oriented startups, they need a lot more money to, you know, invest in research, which might not be immediately money-making, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but in, in those areas and, you know, in, in, in many of the companies, even if you want to bring one person in, into the team, you know, that involves a lot of, you know, money because hiring is, is, uh, is challenging and, and expensive as well. Mm-hmm. So if we are not able to get money, like, like you said, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, most likely uh, a failure, but the fact that, um, you are not able to raise money. Uh, being being a black woman is, is also very unfortunate. I think, uh, I, th- you know, because you know there are multiple things here, right? One is the fact, you know, uh, that women have you know a lot more resiliency and a lot more commitment to work is is very and has been very undervalued in my opinion because. They got into the business with so much, you know, with so much at stake. You know, their family, kids, uh, are, or, you know, um, mm-hmm. and in the future, you know, it's a, it's a lot of compromising, you know, in in many personal and professional levels. Which even if they're still committed to do the work, you know, their right self, you know, you have the right qualities of uh, a founder. They may not have, may or may not have all the, you know, skills that you need, and no one all no one has anyway. So if we have the right support system, you know, right investors and uh, and and you know, right partners, you know, right, you know, the correct hiring, you know, just the right guidance, you know, that will take the company long way. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to the case because obviously, uh, and and that's even you know worse in in for black women, I guess, because if you're a black woman and a founder, you have been through a lot, you know, before you get here, right? You are, mm-hmm. you know, you're. You want to change not just uh, you know not just the product or the, or the business. It's also the you know perspectives or biases for people, and and you mm. are just inspiring so many other people. And which is the reason, right? The other reason that you did you know your PhD and, uh, and all the stuff, you want to prove that hey this can be done, you know. Mm. Which also means that you know you are more determined and and uh, you know you are a lot more you know resilient than many other founders. So it technically it shouldn't be a no. It should be a um, no brainer to invest, right? Apart from the product and other stuff, but uh, you know, apparently that that's not the case because maybe maybe you know um, all the biases are coming into play because right, like you said, right, most of the people are you know men, uh, white male investors. Obviously, you know they may not vibe well because uh, for whatever you know the biases, uh, be it with us or with them. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm glad you know many you know funds are uh, coming. Towards the under, you know, underrepresented groups. But you know, also, you know, uh, I'm still um, trying to, you know, question the value here, right? Because if you look at some really good funds, you know, they don't just add the money to, uh, you know, your your company. There are a lot of connections, mm-hmm. and and they add really add a lot of value uh, to the business, right? Which mm-hmm. which are more crucial to get some of the bigger deals done, because it's not sometimes it's not always the product, right? It's mostly the connections and you know whom whom you know and and uh, how how well you know people. So if if those people are not investing in in some of these companies, it's it's a big loss for us as well, right? Because we yeah. are actually losing much more than capital, and yeah. I'm I'm it, I I'm not sure whether there is a solution for it. It's just that they should start seeing, you know, the possibility of, you know, getting more, ret- more returns. And I was talking in the other podcast that, you know, if people invest in, you know, women business, the return value is eight times higher than the regular business. So, you know, I think more and more, you know, uh, startups like yours, you know, should show the success to the investors so that, you know, they all know what they missed and they won't repeat the same mistake again and again again uh, you know i think until then you know you just have to be uh you know like yourself right you know just uh prove it uh, and and you know uh, cut all those biases so that it will be uh, a lot better for the for the future generations i guess so yeah it's it's uh, it's it's a lot of you know uh, work to do uh, i guess so what yeah. is, what do you say
1: yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And it, it, when you kind of look at the big picture, it can be kind of yeah. daunting. Um, yeah. But every little bit counts, and you just have to think sure. about, you know, just just yep. one day at a time, and you know, stay. Yeah, we'll get
0: fresh. there. You know, you you yeah. you already you know reached here um, with with all those accomplishments, and it's just. It's just another day, you know. If you look at the big picture, you know, it's it's a lot more. It might be stressful, but again, we are here to change that, right? Every yeah. every uncertainty is an opportunity. Every obstacle is an opportunity, and then that's where um, I think that's another kind of motivation for me, you know, right? If I see an uncertainty or opportunity uh, or obstacle, that's like, okay, maybe this is the time for me to for me to thrive, uh, and I think you know this yeah. will be true for all the all the black, you know, uh, and black women are black founded startups. You know, there is so yeah. much opportunity now and it's it's your turn to change and, and be the change maker, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, like leaving academia and how I had that whole transformation, like, you know, L. Brown to yep. Lavonda Brown, Dr. Lavonda Brown, yep. um, and then even in this space, um and so essentially that just came from me being okay showing up as my authentic self right um and then being in the startup space when i was first starting i was um you know i I had a lot to learn and so you know i kind of just kind of sat in the back and and i was i I wasn't showing up as my authentic self and you know i was trying to grab the crumbs and you know uh left at the table and you know, and at first it was more so like, oh, we really need money or not even at the beginning, but once I did decide that we needed to raise money, um then it was like, man, we need to oh, hope somebody likes us so they invest in their yeah. own oh like and then I had a mindset shift, and I realized mm. that like we have more leverage um even even outside of being a black woman like we yes. have more leverage or we have le- more leverage than I think. And they need us just as much as we need them. Exactly. Yep. Now, if we throw in the fact that I'm a black woman, that even adds to the leverage. Right. Yep. Um, and I've, I've had some conversations with um, investors and I'm looking at their portfolio and I'm asking the hard question. At first I was just, you know, taking the crumbs. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know asking the safe <laughs> questions but now I sit in the meetings and I'm like, All right, well, you know, how many how many black founders do you have? You know, what's your mm. percentage? And um how many have you brought on this year? You know, or the past four yeah. months and um, oh, you don't have any you don't have any <laughs> black women. What's the strategic yeah. plan for that moving forward? I mean because nice. I know from past experience that being the only only is hard. And yep. it's hard for Any organization to provide resources for somebody when they don't have, they don't have diversity, right? And so for me to sign up to be in your fund, I have to be willing to be that trailblazer and help you guys pave the way, or just lose out on maximizing, you know, the benefits of being in your portfolio versus going somewhere where they already have black women or black people. And so i ask the hard questions and i have no desire to be somewhere where it's not a good fit or they don't have a plan in place and i'm okay with that and okay it's been yeah like that value add that you talk about um i I don't just want money we don't just need money we need value add value added investors who are going to bring more of their money to the table and we've talked about this like. They are going to bring some type of expertise. They're going to help us get these deals. You know, they are connected to these drug training companies, our insurance companies, our, you know, corporate VC arms where they are, let's say, um, GM ventures. So they're connected right to the automotive industry and they can pilot our technology. Like we need value. We just don't, we don't need only money. And yep. I'm not accepting anything less than that. And so that's more so just being confident in who yeah. we are, what we bring to the table and, you know, what we deserve. So.
0: Yeah, right. That's, that's a great shift uh, in mindset. And I think that's how, you know, we all should be because most of the times, you know, we go with, uh, you know, imposter syndrome and or and, and like, you know, we just think that we are the person, uh, in need and they're the person in charge. Right. Uh, that's not always the case, even though that is the case, you know, that shouldn't be how that shouldn't how uh, let us, uh, down and, you know, take the crumbs and, and just, you know, live with it. Right. Because, mm-hmm. um, we should really start asking questions and, and, uh, yeah. And, and even, even, you know, ask, ask them hard, all the hard questions. Uh, maybe they, if, even though if they don't have answers for it or if they don't, you know, give us the funds, you think that will start adding a new perspective to, to to them, you know, at some point they might, you know, think about it and, and you never know what, what that can lead to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's, it's a takeaway for many, many startup uh, founders and, and particularly women and women and black founders and, and black women founders, right? Hey, uh, just, just learn from Lavanda that, hey, you don't have to, uh, you know, have this imposter syndrome, or you don't have to be the person uh, uh, to, you know, kind of go and you know wait for the money. You know, you are the you are the person in charge. Uh, you ask all the right questions and make sure that you are going with the right investors because you know it's not just the money; it's it's a lot of value add. And if if they don't have a plan for you uh, in in multiple ways, or even even for the diversity, uh, then it's it's it might be a, a tough marriage. So which yeah. is what we all don't, don't uh, prefer and don't want to, right. it might, it might look shiny now, but you know, it's, 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 uh, not gonna end well. So, right. Right. Cool. Um, uh, thanks, thanks for, you know, sharing, sharing all these, um, uh, you know, experiences and, and thoughts, uh, openly. Uh, so, and I, I, you know, I also want to understand, you know, the confidence that you have in gauge right, because. If you are, you know, the fact that you are able to, you know, question back the investors and, you know, ask them hard questions is also the faith you have in the product and then and, and the vision you have for it. Because mm. if I have, you know, if I kind of know that, hey, uh, I don't have a right product or, you know, maybe competitors are, you know, are taking a leap, then, you know, I might just say that, Hey, you know, I'll just take whoever the investor comes in because I need to move fast here or things like Mm -hmm. that. So just, just want to understand, um, I guess a little better. And, and what, why are you so confident about it? Yeah. So,
1: um, great question. I'll try to answer it in, in fullness. Um, so, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second.
0: No worries.
1: Um I hate this, Rohe. So I had something good to say. So you said the confidence in the in the business. Um give jog my memory a little bit more, Rohit.
0: Yeah, so why are you so confident in, on I I gauge, right? And and uh what is your uh, you know vision for it and why do you trust the idea or the product behind it so much that you want to, you know, uh, you are, that made you realize that you are the, you know, in, in charge here, you are the, you are the commander yeah. and uh, you're yeah. not the investors here.
1: Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Thank you for that. I needed yep. it. So um, one of the bigger reasons at the beginning, while I was, you know, scraping for the breadcrumbs was because we are a pre-revenue company. Um, yep. And so, as a pre-revenue company, you know, typically valuations are lower um, and because uh, valuations are typically, you know, multiple of the revenue that you're bringing in, right? Um, and we're bringing in zero revenue. And so I'm oh like, this this is tough. Like who, what investors want gonna invest in us and we are pre-revenue, even though it exists, like people get funding pre-revenue, um, but what we do have is, is data. And so, um, data is very valuable and the data in our company, it's pictures and videos of eyes, various eyes under the influence and also sober eyes, right? Um, and um, and I, I once I kind of understood like, okay, we have data, like even though our value isn't in revenue, you also get value from intellectual property, you get data from yep. users, even if they're not paid users, you get data, I mean, value from data. And, and so that's us, right? And, and so I was like, okay, listen we so building the confidence, okay, we have something here, and then the yeah. other reason um, why I am so picky about investors and who I'm willing to you know bring on um is because is the confidence in the technology like I know that this works, <laughs> and yeah. so w- we're in the process of building the data set. the more data we have, the more accurate yeah. it'll be just generally how machine learning algorithms work. Um so mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time in getting the data that we need to realize the solution. But once we get the data we need, a yep. billion dollar company. So I'm yeah. not giving away 10% of the company for $100,000. I've had that sure. opportunity a couple of yeah. times. I'm like, yep. no, that, that, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense. Exactly, right? Yeah. And so I'm, like willing to, I'm willing to hold on to it until you know there's an offer that we can't refuse, or you know um but until if I have to choose between um taking like that type of offer or just being scrappy, I'm gonna be scrappy, we bootstrap the first twelve months, figure out yep. how to you know put these pennies together to 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 get the work done, Yep. and um, we have some people that are very passionate about the product and so they're willing to do. Um, deferred salaries and, you know, do some type of equity instead of having that full uh, salary compensation, right? Um, And so I think it's, uh, you know, working with the right people who believe in the vision and they can see the vision that I see uh, and they understand uh, the potential. Um, And, uh, I mean, that alone and then realizing the value of data is why I'm I'm so confident about it, and so so picky when
0: it comes to investors. Gotcha, that's that's great. Um, I hope uh, you know. If for example, if I, if I ever start a company, I'm um, at le- if I, you know, I really pray that I'm at least half as confident as you, um, uh, because uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, be- I will ever be because of so many questions. Right in the sense, uh, I think and look you can look at it in multiple angles and it's you know startups may not be perfect in each and every angle so mm-hmm. you know i i tend to think about that and that hey we are not the best there you know we might be have to compromise at certain point and and all stuff like that so you know but but yeah mm-hmm. hopefully i'm i'll be able to be at least uh, i really pray that you know i'll be um, at least half have as confident as you uh, in in the future uh, but but yeah and and good to know about igage right and and uh, uh, the reason that that uh you are that gives you so much clarity and and confidence is the data and and the tech behind it right so and which which comes with an, which, which is not you know based on one machine learning model because you know pretty much everyone can do it but this comes with a lot of experience uh from you know and and research from academia and and from like past 10 12 years so this this is uh, solid. So it's not easy for everyone, everyone to replicate, right? Because, you know, if you look at most of the companies, uh, you know, big tech companies, uh, they have, like, all these awesome, you know, ML models uh, and they have, they have all this data, which is easy for them to, you know, do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. For example, if you look at Google, right, uh, if they want to solve for it, uh, maybe, you know, the, all they need is, you know, all those... Uh, images from web, uh, which they have, uh, all, mm-hmm. all the images. So, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can probably do it tomorrow. Um, in a way, if they want to, so if, if it is just based off of machine learning model. So, mm-hmm. but, but what else is, uh, you know, um, what is the real, you know, what is a, another secret sauce in, in your iCache, you know, just, just trying to understand it a little better here.
1: Um, so yeah, we have two differentiators, like when it comes to competitors, one of them, um, so, so one of them is that we run on a mobile device and companies that exist today, uh, mm-hmm. they have external hardware, they have headsets, our cameras that they sit the top of the bottom of the computer mm-hmm. um, and just being a hardware company in itself, it's just a, a whole different ball game, right? Yep. Um, whereas we are a software company and we leverage existing technology like iPhones and Androids and our smartphones and then... Um, Cameras that already exist that, you know, are connected to some type of Wi-Fi Um, like those driver facing cameras and Tesla and things like that. And so we're not a hardware company um, and because of that, you know, we're a mobile solution. So and then the other differentiator is the fact that we do research Um, a lot of these companies. uh, There isn't a data set that exists like the one that we're building. So it's a proprietary data set. Um, during my PhD, I did a lot of human subject testing. Um, uh, and so it's, it's like IRB approval institutional review board where yep. you have to get consent from humans to actually test them. And I tested students on our math software, the robotic uh, tutor, um, middle school students, high school students, and also college students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I'm not testing kids now, let me just say that
0: out loud. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah. Uh, I have, you know, experience doing it. And so now, um, now that I am CEO of iGage, I am a principal investigator for these human subject studies that we do. And we get the IRB approval and we get consent from adults, mm. you know, when they come into our facility. So we do some in, in-house testing, we bring people in. We serve alcohol, um, we monitor how much we're giving them. And, you know, we also get all their demographic information and we space out, you know, when they're getting these shots or drinks. Um, And then we have some breathalyzer tests, as well as a law enforcement officer conducting the standardized field sobriety test, which gives us a an estimated BAC. Um, And so we use that to kind of compare it to the image and videos that we get from the eyes simultaneously, right? Um, and so that study that we do in-house allows us to get yep. unbiased data, right? Yep. Um, and so other companies, they're getting their data from who knows where, um, yep. but because uh, we're having a control controlled study where we're getting the data, uh, we can plan um, to make sure that it's not, you know, it's not discriminating yep. against any group um, and we're getting the
0: data for all of these different demographics. Ah, okay. Uh, that's uh, you have a, you have a lab of your own and, uh, mm-hmm. you, uh, there is a lot of process to that goes behind the scenes, uh, which is, which laid the path, uh, and, and the solid, uh, proprietary technology for, for you, for iGage, I guess. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. Okay. And I can, now I can kind of sense, uh, and understand like why you are, you know, so Confident on, on, the, on the company. Uh, that's 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 great. Uh, so, while you know, you also mentioned that you are a software company, mm-hmm. in and mostly the tech side of it. And I see why because um, you rely on just the mobile and and uh, not any original hardware, which is very good because, as as you said, right, that comes with its own challenges and that might have many limitations as well. So the fact that you know I can just uh, scan my own you know eye and say that hey. I'm not supposed to drive here. Uh, Drive now is is another, um, you know, fact, which means that the application is very wide as long as we find right uh, partners and and right ways to go into the market. So again, but coming back to the question in terms of the software company, but uh, along with the research work and all, so there is so much tech work that needs to be done right, mm-hmm. uh, on, on the back end. And, and uh, being a non-tech founder, I mean, you are a, you're a tech founder in a way, but not from the software development standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is uh, another key aspect that many investors look in, and, and which is also key for a company, and I can totally see why. So, you know, as a software engineer, I'm obviously biased, but...
1: Clearly, Rohini. <laughs> I, know.
0: Like, like, I know, right, I, yeah.
1: I had to program the robots, like... <laughs> I had to. I wrote the software for the eye tracking at Emory. Sure. But to your point, to your yeah. point, I wrote spaghetti code. Yeah. Listen, I wrote I wrote code yeah. that worked, but it sure, was I not. Mean, uh, the people watching the code that yeah. I wrote worked, but it was not the standard. A software engineer. They would have nightmares Um, after they looked
0: at my code. No, I mean, uh, you know, the fact that you have, you know, programming background and all this in working on robotics definitely helps. But in terms of the product development, uh, it's also, you know, a little different than, you know, just the code itself. Uh, You know, I'm just trying to understand your thought process on how you, um, I mean, you are a tech founder, also a non-tech founder in a way. Uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. uh, But you know, the fact that, you know, I just want to understand on how you dealt with or how you are dealing with all this uh, new things. And because uh, that is one of the important aspects for a a software company, right? You know, having the right technical partners and a technical team. Mm -hmm. So how are you, you know, navigating the space and, and what are the challenges that you encountered so far?
1: Oh um, yes. So I do consider myself a tech founder. I do want to just yeah. clear cool. the air. Um, yeah. um, but from the very beginning, when I was the only person on board, I built an advisory board. Um, like we didn't have money to, to bring anybody on. I didn't yep. know who, you know, was passionate about bringing it, you know, working for free. Yep. And so, um, um, I brought on some tech some technical advisors. I mean, I have some growth nice. advisors and some industry advisors too, but my former PhD advisor who I worked under doing the Robotic Tutor um, mm-hmm. and the eye tracking, she's a technical advisor. Um, oh, nice. um, I also have a technical advisor who is an expert in machine learning at AWS. Um, and so, so they have been in the loop from the beginning to make nice. sure like, to double check that the decisions I'm making on the technical side are yeah. the right technical decisions, right? So I'm not just sitting here making these decisions on my own.
0: Perfect.
1: And and from and from just those three, let's say, um they help me figure out like who who to bring on. And yeah. so our current CTO now was a recommendation from one of the technical advisors. Nice. Um, you know, she had works with him on a few other product um projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, you know, and I met with him, interviewed him and, and he's been with us for two years now. Nice. Um, And so just, you're right. You can't, I can't do it alone. And that's one of the major takeaways, um, because I am a solo founder, um, uh, I'm learning that (laughs) we're not meant to go through this journey alone Um, and to really leverage, you know, the connections and um, the networks and these different groups that were in founder groups, whatever the case may be. Yep. Um, and if it's something that I can do and it's easy, it's an easy lift for me. And it's a hard yeah. lift for somebody else. I want to do it. And I have to remind myself that even though something is hard for me, it's an easy lift for somebody else. For somebody Open my mouth and ask for help. So um, exactly. I, I leveraged my network on the technical side. Um, in the same breath, like I still, um, the first uh, MVP of our product, I built it. Um, and huh. yeah, and so a little rasp- raspberry pie. <laughs> um, and so we were able to put something together with that. Um, but, you know, we can't commercialize that process. Yep. And so it was a little different. I've been a little hands off since then. Um, But anything that's developed, I test it, like I want to test it. And if it's not set up in a way that I can test it, then it's not good enough. Yeah, I should be able to test it from my technical background. So and and, and that's kind of like my my North Star uh, with the tech development.
0: Got it. That's that's nice. You know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, you build the advisory board uh, as needed, Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, getting referrals and, you know, getting help from them, you know, whenever you need, I think is is the key, uh, here. And and I think that's what, you know, other, other founders, you know, other people like me should learn that you cannot obviously solve, you know, anything, uh, sorry, everything in or you cannot solve anything if you just go by yourself too. Mm -hmm. So we have to, I think, find a way to draw the line that, Hey, um, this might be easy for someone else to solve and I can focus my energy in the right place, um, so mm-hmm. that it's it's uh it's a it, it's good for the company in the long run because, as as you know as the company grows there is very little amount of work that we'll be able to do uh, and the bandwidth will be little so we should start you know adopting the skill at the at the beginning itself so that we expand the culture, uh mm-hmm. in, in the in the right way uh, as the company grows, but but yeah so. Yeah, I think I I'll take their advice, right? I know being able to tap onto the, you know, a network and and having the right connections. And and if not, you know, if not that was about, you know, just just schedule a call and get get the inputs uh, you need. Um mm-hmm. so that you'll be able to make the right decisions, right? I think, you know, that's one other thing that helped me in, in the past. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um yeah, a lot of lot of, you know, great insights and uh, you know, such a great discussion. I know we are also at time. Um and, and I know I'm sure it's, it's a little late for you after, after, you know, a couple of busy days. So I want to, um, <laughs> put, put a stop here, but you know, I have one more question for you, uh, uh, which is, which is what I ask for, uh, uh, you know, asking in, in all the podcasts. So can you explain something in two minutes that took very long time for you to learn? Oh, did I already say it? <laughs> <laughs> probably. You, you might have told, you know, you can, you could probably, you know, say, convey it again or. Um, um I feel bad because I just said it. Um, uh, but
1: so what I was going to say is uh, I'll, I'll see if something else comes to mind, but sure. um, it took me a long time to understand that I, that we're not meant to do this alone. I will honestly say that it kind of clicked. Like we founded the company and I founded the company in May 2020, because it was just me at the beginning, and um, it was as recent as the last week of the Impact Accelerator, uh, the AWS Impact Accelerator that we did the last week of July when, um, you know, we haven't been doing in-person pitches. Uh, Everything's kind of been virtual, and so it's easy for me just to pitch the company by myself. Um, but when I was at AWS, you know, our CTO Fred came and he was on the stage with me. Um, and you know, I usually do the heavy lifting of pitching and Q and A and everything, everything associated with the company, but just him being there showing up, you know, working through our, our demo and answering Q and A, like I, I give the pitch it. It, it It may seem small, you know, um, but it, was, a lot of it work. was huge. it was huge, and it meant yep. so much. And I didn't realize just how much it meant just to have somebody just standing next to you on the stage and yep. being able to give me some water and answer the privacy questions about the technology, right? Um, yep. as well as man, the live demo. and so, I think I went over two minutes, but the point is we're not meant to do it alone. And it took me a really long time. Like I knew that I, I, I could kind of get it together, but the big, if we are run a scale, yeah, you, you can't do it alone for it's sure. Like, yep. Find,
0: find your tribe. And, and start doing it as early as possible so that, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you understand the vibe and, and, you know, make sure they're, they're your tribe. Mm-hmm. I, Cool. Uh, thanks, thanks for sharing it. I Thank think you. I also want to, uh, uh, sneak in one more question, if you don't mind, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, because since you are, since you are an eye expert, I just want to understand, you know, uh, some fun fact, uh, you know, some personal, you know, um, things that everyone should know or learn about eye uh, because that is such an important, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> by our kind of the body, but a part of the body. So, um, yeah. Any, 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 tips on it, uh, as an, as an expert,
1: um, from an engineering perspective, from an engineering
0: perspective. Yes.
1: <laughs> We've had some experience doing some human aesthetic testing, um, not as a medical doctor, just one. Sure. To yeah. That for the record. Um, but, um, your eyes in short are full of a lot of different information and they tell so much about what's going on in your body, even like what's going on in your life a whoa, which mm. essentially shows up in your bite, like stress, like, you know, maybe some external factors stressing you out. The optometrist, mm. they can see that stuff, you know, whether or not, you know, they're really just saying if you need glasses, but they, well, you can see all of those things in your eyes. If you're having coffee or drugs yeah. or sugar or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, all of it shows up in your eyes. It also, you know, it identifies you. Um, and you know, it's, it's the next up and coming biometric. Um, yep. so I am so I much am founder. Data. Yeah. I, am founder and CEO of I of course I want your eye data, but in the same breath, yeah, you should be very careful about giving your eye data. Um, and so we, we cover all the grounds and make sure everything is, um, secure. Uh, but you get a lot of information from your eyes, and yeah. and that's just the, the the major thing that I want to share um, cool. about yeah. it. Oh, one fun fact though, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a fun fact that, that actually was a, a very bad um, <laughs> way to Try. start this, but um, when I was interviewing law enforcement, because we did start in that um, in that industry, we're currently in high risk workplaces like construction and automotive. Mm-hmm. But when I was interviewing law enforcement officers, they were sharing that some of the symptoms are the ways uh, symptoms um, of somebody who has diabetes and is going through a diabetic crisis is very similar to somebody who's under the influence of alcohol. And so law enforcement officers, when they pull you over and they suspect that you have been drinking and driving, they're supposed to ask, you know, if you're diabetic and, um, Hmm. before just you know assuming that you're under the influence of alcohol. And so that's um, one of the gotcha. things, I mean, that's just one example, but it's a lot of other things that have similar, that look similar to alcohol are substances. And gotcha. so all the data that we collect help to um, find that unique signature for the drugs and not necessarily some of the medical ailments.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That, that's, that's really good to know. Uh, so for example, uh, if I, uh, you know, since we are talking about eye detection, eye recognition, right. Uh, similar to fingerprints and all, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, for example, if I have, uh, you know, if I have a couple of drinks, is it going to change or, you know, will I be, still be able to be authenticated? I think that's, I think that's a super dumb question, but I still want to ask. No, I
1: think, um, the ID, the identification is still going to work. Um, okay. and so it's just, no, it's more so like your iris and and things yeah, like that do the ID. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the things that change are for what we're looking for, isn't necessarily yep. the iris, um, it's like the pupil size and the white part yeah, yeah. of your eye, like the number of red blood vessels, even like um, how, how the height of your eyelids um, and the response to light. And so that
0: doesn't affect like the ID. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's 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 uh, good good information right there, which also means that which also says that you know I need to learn a little more about AI and and even from technical standpoint I think there is this quite a bit of for me to catch up I guess because mm-hmm. so I, until now I I never bothered checking about how this how AI recognition works and how you know the patterns and learn more about that I haven't really uh, bothered about it so far but I think I should I should start you know paying attention um yeah. never know i may i may partner with you and and you know work on some other company related to i i guess i don't know um so yeah. we're,
1: we're more than happy to have you rohi <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can, we
0: oh can sure that. <laughs> cool yeah thank you um uh, uh, well, we never know you know um we, we'll see how, how that goes but uh, Again, uh, thank you, Lavanda. Uh, you know, such a great discussion and, and so many great insights. And, and, the, you know, uh, the fact that you're able to share, uh, you know, openly about so many, you know, of your personal experiences and uh, some cultural, you know, uh, or, or other biases that you faced and, you know, that that exists in the society, uh, not, not everyone, you know, uh, are willing to are op- uh, discuss this openly but so and but but in my opinion i think these are the things that we should talk more openly and and educate mm-hmm. uh, more people on and and i really hope uh this uh, you know a uh, podcast and and your experience uh, you know this podcast you know helps reach uh, you know um helps your uh, so I hope many, you know, your experience, you know, your, you know, accomplishments will be uh, reached to many other people, you know, mm-hmm. during this podcast. And if not this podcast, I hope it reaches uh, uh, to many people who who needs, uh, you know, mm-hmm. such inspiration. Who needs to know that, you know, hey, everything is possible. Um, you know, if mm-hmm. Leona does it, you know, so does, you know, so we all can do it. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, uh, thanks, thanks for, you know, working towards it. And, and again, um, thanks for, thanks for your time and effort. Such a, such a great discussion. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching some of your other episodes.
0: Perfect. And, and, you know, and some, on the next episode too, at some point, you know, we should definitely plan. Okay. Sounds good. When when you, when you raise, you know, those million dollars and, you know, share all your experiences, that's when I want to hear like, Hey, I'll come up here (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is, you know, uh, (laughs) this is a podcast just to talk anything and everything. So cool. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. You too.